right, my friends, you are listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I have a very dear friend here, Amy Batuski. She is a pleasure and intimacy expert committed to helping women live turned on, connected, satisfying lives. She is also the co-founder of Desire on Fire, a retreat company based in California. But she is not in California. She's going to tell us where she's at very soon. But she has actually trained with some of the top intimacy and sexuality teachers in the whole world. And I can't wait to, you know, just jam out on this topic because she has led workshops and retreats all around the world, including New York, California, Burning Man, Mexico, Peru, Bali. And so through Amy's virtual and in-person work, she's taught hundreds of women how to create wild, confident intimacy, hot sex, and fulfilling relationships. So thanks for bringing your sexy self here, Amy. (laughs) You're so welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us about this sexy life you're living. Oh my gosh. Where do I begin? It is such a sexy life that I'm living. To speak to what you just mentioned while introducing me, and that was a beautiful introduction, I am living in Bali. So I'm normally in Los Angeles and I love living in Venice. Uh, That's where I live when I'm in the US. And I've been living in Bali almost eight months now. And it was totally not planned. I was supposed to be here two months. I came here to lead a retreat and then stayed because of COVID. And I'm so grateful. I feel so divinely taken care of. I feel so so divinely guided to get to be here during this time. And um, yeah, my life is very sexy and sometimes not so sexy. That's part of what I talk about and teach a lot is embracing the mess of our lives and the messiness, especially of us as women, because we are so conditioned to be like, you know, perfect and, and taking care of everything and handling everything and doing and creating and fulfilling and achieving and taking care of rescuing everyone and all of this conditioning. And I really teach women to get messy. Mm-hmm. And so my life is pleasurable and sexy and beautiful and full of emotion and mistakes and <laughs> going down and going up and it's messy. It's funny. One of my coaches says whenever she messes up, whenever any there's any mistake or anything kind of goes wrong, she goes, oh my God, you're so sexy. Or, oh, I'm so sexy. Anytime. So she'll like slip up on her words and she'll go, oh, I'm so sexy, right? So making the mess sexy, right? Embracing the mistakes and the messiness and the things that we would normally see as wrong or whatever as sexy is great. I attract even my business coach who's like not my pleasure coach or sexuality coach is like totally on the same wavelength, of course. But yeah, so my life is very sexy and um, full of everything, you know, all the mess. And um Yeah, I mean, I can tell you more about how it looks in individual spaces within my life, depending on what you're curious about. Yeah, so, well, I'm really curious. And something that you said, though, in in that answer was about, like, it's really messy and it's really sexy. It's like this like whole spectrum scale, like, and the messier we're willing to get, the more pleasure we're willing to experience, right? Like that full spectrum. So I just, I really appreciated that because it was landing over here is like embracing all of it, allowing for all of it. And I feel like if we limit any of it, we equally limit, you know, both sides of the spectrum. So tell us a little bit about that because I'm sure that you help women unlock that. And, you know, I, we do have a lot of male listeners and I think that, you know, we can, intimacy and all of that is speaking into both genders and all that. Totally. Yeah, so yeah. tell us about like unlocking this potential. 
Yeah. Well, I love that you, that you reflected it that way because, you know, it's really important, especially in the bedroom that we allow ourselves to be messy. I remember one of my teachers, Nicole Daydone, who's one of my main teachers around intimacy and sex, and she's wild and amazing and such a trailblazer. And she talks about how sex should not be like pretty and clean and perfect and get there and done. Like it should be messy and awkward and wet and animal and weird and unexpected. And like the more mess, the better, um, because you know, it's real. And so, you know, over the last few years, I mean, I started out really stuck, really frozen. My life was amazing on the outside. I had a lot of personal development work under my belt. I had a great business, great relationships, awesome communication skills. And I was super frozen in my body. And I was really disconnected from my pleasure and my turn on. And I had a lot of shame, even though I thought that I was living like a super empowered, self-expressed life. And so now, I mean, my sex is so different now because I just allow for what comes through. So sometimes I cry and sometimes I make weird noises and sometimes I'm really still and silent and sometimes I'm super animal and sometimes it's highly, highly, highly orgasmic and sometimes it's not. And just allowing for the full flow of sensation and pleasure in my sex and in my life has been a huge part of my journey. And that goes for men and women. I teach, mostly I work with women, but I also work with couples and sometimes we do retreats and programs for all gender it's the same, right? It's having permission for who you are, your truth, your experience, and your desires. And so, you know, I work mostly around desire as the main focus. And that's important for men and women. And where we get stuck is when we have shame or fear because we want to look good or do it right. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to look bad or embarrass ourselves. And so then we don't speak up or own what we want. And then people don't know who we are and people can't feel us because we're not dropped in on that level level of felt truth and felt connection. Uh, you were sharing and you totally represented like these two different, like I felt these two different experiences come through, right? Like the primal, the raw, the real, like all like the messy and sweaty. And then you kind of leaned into what that actually means for life too. Like there's sex. And then there's also, it's the same expression and it yeah. does it the same way as like, full flow, allowing for full sensation, permission granted, allowed to desire. And then like, I heard authenticity too, like whatever that looks like per person and, and our natural state of being mostly. And then there was that other side that you mentioned about, you used the word frozen and I was picking up on like pristine and rigid, right? Like it looks good, but it's mostly facade where we don't speak up. We suffer from feeling disconnected or, you know, inauthentic and so uh, just first off, love that because I think that just in listening, we can kind of self-identify where we land on the spectrum. How can we turn up the heat in life and in the bedroom and all of that? Yeah, well, really, I mean, it's simple and it's not easy, right? A lot of the yeah. things that I teach are simple, but not easy, right? Like I'll give assignments or practices to my clients and I'm like, yeah, just like share this thing with your partner. And then it's like a month goes by and they're like, I haven't had that conversation. It's a simple thing to communicate, but it's really not easy. And what I share a lot is it should be the experience or something similar in your own version of feeling like you're going to fall off a cliff. Mm, um, yeah. That's the experience for me when I'm, when I'm going to tell the truth. And yes. so how you can turn up the heat is telling the truth. 
And that looks a lot of different ways. A lot of people think that they're telling the truth. I did, right? A lot of my clients do. They're like, yeah, I'm living a super authentic life. I literally like identified myself as being very authentic before this work. I was such a liar. I was so inauthentic because I had no idea what I was feeling and what was resonant and what was needed because I was so disconnected from my body. So I was authentic to the level that I could be at that time in that phase of my life. Absolutely. I was being authentic for what I knew, but I was so disconnected from what was needed around me, for the people around me, not to take care of them, but like actually to be in resonance with where they're at and an honoring of my body. So my practices and what I give everyone who I connect with and talk about on my podcast and with my clients is speaking your truth, sharing your experience, sharing your desires, especially when you feel like you're going to fall off a cliff if you say that thing. And so for me, it looks like um, like conversations with my partner is like when we've talked about money, like there was a conversation where I expressed to him that I, I actually really want him to pay for everything. And that was really uncomfortable for me because of my conditioning around money and like being independent and being a feminist and taking care of myself and all of that, right? And and I was recognizing where we were keeping it so even, like he would pay for something, I'd pay for something, he would pay, and I was getting resentful. So I'm like, part of this, the way that I want to be held in relationship is also financially, even though I make lots of money. I actually want to be taken care of in that way because it feels really good for me and my nervous system. And I feel super stable and protected, which is part of the energy that I want from a man. And it's not because I need it. It's because I want it. Yes. And so that is just one example because it was really hard for me. I mean, I sat on the bathroom floor crying, mm. feeling the discomfort of bringing this up. I mean, it's simple and it's not easy. I want you to pay for more things. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Mm-hmm. hardest thing in the world that day and that week, you know, to express that and own that desire and feel the fear of rejection or the, the shame or, and I luckily have a practice of observing myself and, and witnessing myself so I could express to him, this is where it comes from. It's like the fear of not um, being worthy of being spoiled or being taken care of, the shame that like, if I want to be spoiled and taken care of, there's something wrong or I'm indulgent or, you know, all of my conditioning from my Jewish mother who is raised by, you know, people in the depression. Like this is, it's a deep cultural conditioning. And this is just an example about money, right? But because I don't want to just give sex examples because obviously it relates everywhere in life. So that's one example of like sharing the truth of a desire. And I didn't expect him that he needed to say yes or no. I knew that I needed to just express my truth because in expressing my desire, I become the woman who I'm meant to be and who can have all the things that she wants. And in withholding, holding my desire and my truth, I shrink, I contract. And he actually gets to expand and step up into being the man, the warrior, the protector, the lover that he gets to be in me speaking my truth, whether he says yes or no to all of my requests and desires, right? Because he says yes to things. He says no to things. We have conversations, negotiations, and talk about everything. But he was thrilled. He was like, yeah, I'm used to paying for things. I actually, I didn't want to expect, you know, I didn't want to assume because some women are really empowered about paying for things. So I just let you pay for some things. And he's like, I'm used to being the one to pay for things. I'm like, great. Okay. Well, look at that. You know, and I was terrified. So this is just an example, but I practice this all the time. Like I have terrifying conversations all the time. I mean, I could give you examples from sex and from things that are not money related, but the point is, it's like speaking the thing, you know, 
my teacher, Nicole says, um, you have to be willing to say the thing that could end the relationship. That's what I practice. And that's what I teach my clients. It's like over and over again, being willing to say the thing that could end it all because you are that committed to speaking your truth and being seen in your experience and being connected only from a place of truth and not from a place of facade and getting it right and being a good wife and a good woman and a good partner and a good friend and being a martyr. Oh my God, we could have a whole podcast episode about being a martyr, especially right now, given the political climate and everyone's trying to get everything right. And that is not going to support your full self-expression. You have to be willing to adjust, learn and shift and speak your truth and fuck it up. It's across the spectrum. It's across the board where this applies, speaking the truth. Well, and you were sharing a lot about becoming more authentic, more authentic, more authentic. And so what have you had to give up? Right. Because you kind of mentioned like, you know, I was raised by my Jewish mom who like that these these outdated survival mechanisms that don't serve us anymore. And there's also no need for them anymore. But we haven't identified that. We can we can also do a whole episode about that. But like, what have you had to give up? Yeah, I mean, so much, so much righteousness and pride around like doing things myself and being right all the time. I mean, even last night, I had a beautiful conversation with my partner and he he was upset about something that happened to dinner with some of our friends and just the way that something landed, you know, in, in our conversation. And he's so great because he's like really shares in real time and is very self-aware and receptive to what I reflect to him. Yeah, and he shared and he's like, yeah, it didn't feel good. And it felt like unkind the way that that was being delivered by you and, and the other girls. And I was like, wow, thank you so much for telling me that. And I'm I'm so sorry for the impact. And I really get that. I really see where like, that wasn't the right way to communicate that. And if there was some like underneath resentment or or lack of, you know, feeling complete or good about a situation that was being brought up, I could have talked to you about it alone. And I really see where I could take responsibility for where it was triggering me. Right. And so, and how it was triggering me rather than using a joke to just like kind of brush it off. That's actually a dig, right? And that gets into a whole conversation we can talk about around emasculation and where we subtly emasculate men by digging at them or, you know, shutting them down or shutting them off or dismissing them. And so that's another thing I've had to give up is emasculating men, right? And it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen because it's so ingrained in us. But, you know, as one of my teachers, Alison Armstrong teaches that you, you, she has women give up the right to emasculate men forever because we go through the world like we have the right to emasculate men. Like that we are entitled to cutting them off from their power and and, and um, we don't have that right. And so even though I still have times where I emasculate because I'm human, I've given up the right to. And so I'm willing to look at myself and I'm willing to own my impact and apologize and see see when it doesn't feel good. You know, when I'm when any communication doesn't feel good. And you know, that's a whole other thing because it reminds, it brings me into thinking about where this comes up with clients and with friends and with partners and the balance of hearing other people's perspective and experience, looking at yourself and knowing when to shift how you're being and what you're saying and doing. And also knowing that you don't have to take everything that they feel on, right? So their experience might be also their projections, their own triggers. And so there's a balance of like really receiving people's reflections and changing based on that and receiving people's adjustments and knowing when it's not your stuff and knowing when it's their stuff to look at and reflect on and deal with. 
So well said. And I'm personally enjoying it because you're speaking a coach language, right? And I think that it's, I love it because that's what we do here at the podcast, at the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Like we're training that, that heart and that mind to speak authentically and share our truth. And so there's two things I wanted to ask you about. I want to really ask for three tips you might have for opening conversation with our partner. Because like you were just giving us dialogue between you and your partner. It's like, well, holy shit, how do I do that? Right? Like there's that. And then like the way I want to go back to the masculine man, but like, let's talk about those three tips um, for opening communication with our partners. Yeah. So I would say the first one is that it's really helpful. I think if it's completely out of the blue for people, because I think for a lot of people it is, I have clients and they're like, uh, if I bring this up to my partner, they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? And where is this coming from? Because it's so unusual for their dynamic. Yes. And so I say, blame me, like blame the podcast, blame the, you know, the course that you're taking. Yes. Blame the coaching. I love, oh, right. I like, love you. like, that's a great tip. <laughs> yes. Right. I'm like, blame the thing that's giving you the inspiration and just say, I am practicing being more vulnerable about my experience of things, or I am practicing being more authentic about when something upsets me, um, or I am practicing sharing my desires because Amy told me to, or because on this podcast I was listening to with Abigail and Amy, I learned this practice. I think it really helps setting the context, right? Letting the other person into your world to know that you are working on this. So this is new for you too. I think that's the first thing is like, say that you're practicing it and blame me, right? This is, she gave me this assignment. I have to do it. Right. And, um, because it, it can, it can help because it feels really vulnerable. And so that's the first one. And then the second thing is, um, speaking from personal responsibility. If nothing else, that's pretty much my job is like getting women mostly because I work with mostly women, but also everybody to, bring it on back to personal responsibility, bring it on back to what's triggering you, not what are they doing wrong, right? Which relates to the emasculation, which we'll talk about. So when you share like, hey, I'm practicing sharing more about what is coming up for me in relationship or what's bothering me. So here's what I want you to know. I'm really uncomfortable sharing about sex and I really wanna take our sex life to the next level and explore new things in our sex. And I'm really nervous about it. And I just want to learn how to be more expressed. And I want to explore that with you. Would you be open to it? Could we try some new positions or read a book about it or listen to Amy's podcast together or Abigail's podcast together? I would love to do this together. And I'm nervous about it. And I'm scared. And I'm excited. And this is for my growth. And I'd love to do it together. So that's an example, right? Now, if you say, hey you know, I don't really like our sex that much. I don't really think that you're paying attention to me. I don't think that you really know what's going on. I think you need to improve. I think we, I think you're not really knowing what's going on with my pleasure. I don't know. And it's like you, 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 you. It's not going to be a cohesive or productive conversation. But if it's from me and this is what I'm dealing with and this is what I'm afraid of, this is what triggers me, then people will more likely listen and not take it personally. And not get triggered by it because it's from personal responsibility. That was kind of a light yeah. example because I could give a lot of other examples from where we want to blame. But And then the third, okay. She said three tips. What's the third tip? Okay. Um, third tip <laughs> I would say is be okay with 
the other person's response. They might be a no to having that kind of conversation, (laughs) right? They might be a no. They might be like, you're like, hey, I'm practicing this because of the coaching that I got. And I'm going to share this with you. And this is how I'm feeling. This is my experience. And this is my responsibility for it. And they might be like, uh, no. (laughs) Or can we talk about this later? Or (laughs) I am not comfortable. And so whatever their response is, is honoring their response and where they're at. You know, I have clients whose husbands and partners are like, not available for this work at all, seemingly. And then over time, they keep sharing, they keep being real, they keep taking responsibility, they keep sharing their desires. And then over time, their partners are like, oh, I'm a little bit more open. Or they notice their partner all of a sudden signs up for a program, like a business program, but still they're reading self-help books there, right? And it's like, because she's been real and patient and accepting of where he's at. So I guess that, that would be the third thing. And I'm using women and men right now, but this is for anybody. You can be sharing with a friend or your parent or yeah. anyone. And meet them where they are in their response. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you for those because of three amazing tips and you're right about like it applies all over, you know, whatever it is. And it's great to open up the lines of communication that way. And from that third one and, and really from all of them, but like do your own work, right? You, you yes. said the significant other, even the friend that you approach who person you're in a relationship with might not be open and available to this type of work or conversation or expansion. But what I know and what I see in my clients and I, one of my favorite, I, I've made up that it's a rule of transformation is like by nature of one transforming the elements around it transform, right? Like if something yeah. changes, it just has that natural ripple effect. And so you shining, you being radiant and genuinely happy. It's like, Oh, what am I working on? Something's working for them. And it's causing a natural curiosity, right? I think there's the difference between like, I've got this figured out and you got to check it out is totally like, here's the medicine, drink it, taste it, try it. And people can be very resistant if it doesn't feel like their own idea, of course. And so like, if they see your genuine happiness, they may actually choose that path to or follow or open the ears in the conversation. So, but that kind of leads into emasculating our men. Like if we are force feeding this conversation or we're pushing and, and, you know, manhandling our way through it. How can we not do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, man, it's a real practice. It's a real practice. I mean, Alison Armstrong is the expert on not emasculating men. I, I bring her work into my work often, recommend her books. Um, her book, The Queen's Code is amazing and recommend her courses. Absolutely. Uh, but really what I learned and, and what I practice around emasculating men is first of all, assuming good intent and assuming that they have a reason for doing everything that they do. And that is been huge because we just, you know, Alison Armstrong says we relate to men as just hairy women. So we are expecting men to respond and act like a woman, but then they're, oh, she says hairy misbehaving women, right? So they're, <laughs> they're not responding the way we would. What are they doing? Right. And they're just because they're like a whole different species basically. And that we have to understand that they have a reason for everything. Like really, like when they don't take out the trash and we're like, why haven't you taken out the trash? There's a reason for it. Whatever he's doing or thinking, there's a reason. And when we actually just ask like, hey, 
what was what was your reasoning for that? Or what did you have in mind when you were doing that? I'm really curious. I want to know about your experience. Like when we're curious, we learn so much about them. And men are single focused. Women have diffuse awareness, so we can have our attention on a lot of things and men are single focused. So when we stop making men wrong for being single focused, we can appreciate that they are. And that has helped me with not emasculating them because I'm not like angry and resentful all the time because I trust that they're focusing on whatever the thing is that they're supposed to be focusing on in their own mind. And they're deeply committed human beings and they have a reason for everything they're doing. And so when you come from that place, then there's appreciation. And so the practice for me is like coming from appreciation, from acknowledgement, from understanding, from curiosity with men um, and from receptivity. Because I really view men now as like really wanting to serve us and protect us and make us feel good. And I remember once I was in the car with a friend and we had an Uber driver who was sharing about something, you know, he was telling us about where we should go in the city we were in and, you know, how we should do it, whatever. And I was just like, thank you. You know, super helpful. I appreciate it. And we get out of the car and she's like, ugh, talk about some mansplaining, you know, whatever. And I was just like, oh, like, I don't see it that way. I thought that was amazing. He just wanted to care for us and he wanted to, you know, provide for us. And he was also wanting to impress us, right? And men want to do all of those things. And so we, when we can see it that way, then there's so much magic possible and, and really trusting that they want us to have what we want. Because I think that's where the emasculation comes in a lot is when we're controlling. And that for me, it, it was and continues to be a practice to stop controlling and actually trust that I can have it. Because it's like we're in defense mode, right? We're like defending and and controlling and, oh my God, I need to control this in order to have it. And it's like, actually, if we soften and have a conversation and share what we want and the difference that it would make for us, they often step up to provide. Right. And that's a big thing also that Alison Armstrong teaches, which is like sharing the impact it would make and what it would provide for you. And I talk about this a lot in my work with clients is like really coming back to the desire and what it would provide and really showing that you need them. Right. And I shared about this recently in my plant medicine um, journey episode of my podcast because I got major fucking downloads about how much we need to express needing people and mostly me. Like I was just like, you know, independent woman going through the world. And I like, it hit me in my ayahuasca journey. I was like, oh my God, people don't feel needed by me because I don't let them feel needed because I don't need anyone in my energy, right? That's my energy. And so next day, like, you know, because I've done Landmark, I'm like, I know I need to get on the court after my ayahuasca journey. I called my business partner. I called my sister. I called my ex-boyfriend and I integrated these downloads I was getting and I owned the impact of not needing people. And I really owned the impact of that. And I was like, I need you. I need you. I choose you. I, I, I can't do this alone. And that was huge for my business partner to hear. And we have an amazing relationship already. And she's like, oh, you do, you need me. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, oh, you don't even know how much I needed to hear that. Right. And, and she's a woman. That's why I'm, ex- I'm expressing these examples that are not just about men because we emasculate or, you know, put down or cut off everyone because we're entitled or we're, you know, righteous or trying to hold on to our pride. And we need to allow people to feel needed and allow people to provide for us. And we need to be willing to soften and own our impact when we do control. 
Yes. I love that so much. And, and, you know, I wanted to reflect to you the like energy from which you talk about appreciating men, right? Because you had understanding and appreciation and that receptivity and, and celebration and then joy and trust and like to truly enjoy the experience and the presence of men. And so it really did feel like a true celebration of who men get to be in the world. Um, I think in the uprise of femininity and and women's empowerment from love, like we haven't gotten it right either, you know, and, and we, we're all doing our best out here, but yeah. and, and we can't really, you know, do better until we know better, obviously. But, but then once we do, like you said, I saw it, then it becomes my responsibility to go clean it up, to go tap in, yeah. to, to check the impact and, and do what there is to do. So powerful. And so um, you're talking about giving up controlling. That is, um, I imagine that's work for everybody. And I do <laughs> want to share, I want to do a little personal share because like mine always shows up in patience. But in the sense of controlling, I had this very pivotal breakthrough where I realized I wasn't letting everybody live out their potential because I was afraid of losing my value to them. They could be great, but they couldn't be greater than me. Uh So I was, yeah. And I, again, you don't know better until you know better. And as soon as I had the breakthrough, I saw it everywhere. So I had to start cleaning it up, but really I wasn't giving people my all. I wasn't speaking completely from love, meaning like I wouldn't say the uncomfortable thing because my ego didn't like that idea. And then like seeing that something saying something powerful might serve them and giving up myself to have them have their best life. And so like men, women, all the people around me is like, I saw the way that I was either capping their greatness or at least not fully contributing to it. And so that was a huge shift for me too. And I think that that is a, is a beautiful way that we can truly empower. So, you know, to begin wrapping things up and, and to share with our community is like, where can we find you? Where can, what do you got going on in your side of the world? <laughs> yes. Well, I just wanted to say to that, I don't know the quote exactly, but I just remember seeing it. Um, a friend of mine, Brandon, who's an amazing retreat leader, he posted this quote that was like, true leadership is creating other leaders who surpass you in their leadership and success and being great with it, essentially, right? I I mean, I'm obviously butchering the quote, but that was my interpretation, right? And being okay with it, celebrating it, being at peace with it. And I remember reading it at the time and I was like, hell no. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, no, you know, and now... I am like, it's an ongoing practice, of course, because it's just checking my ego. But I have so many leaders in my community. I have so many coaches in my community that I coach who are killing it, who are soaring, who are using what I teach them to teach it. And I am thrilled. I'm like, take this content, take these tools, take this coaching, spread it to the world. And I'm so thrilled with their success. And I want them on you know every podcast and every stage. And I want them coaching everyone. And I'm just grateful to have been able to contribute to how unleashed they are. I'm like, this is a great testimonial, even if people don't know that I coached them, right? Which normally they do because they're so grateful. But, but it's just like, it's the evidence of their being, which is what I stand for and why I do my work, right? So I love that you brought that up and I relate a lot to it. Um, 
And it's an ongoing practice to, to really be in celebration of everybody else's wins and desires fulfilled and success and having that all be an expander for me and what's possible. So what I have going on, well, uh, my business partner is named Ellie. She and I run a company, as you said at the beginning, called Desire on Fire. And we have an amazing community. We do online courses and retreats and normally in-person retreats, but you know, not right now because of COVID. Um, and we are running an epic five-day challenge on Facebook called The Pleasure Revolution. Mm-hmm. And it is all about um, digging into your pleasure and learning how to create space for pleasure and set boundaries and focus on yourself and self-care and your sensuality and more. And we're actually running it right now with 387 women who registered from 16 countries around the world to be in this challenge. It's amazing. We're on day three in Bali. I think they just finished day two in the US. <laughs> and, uh, no, this is day three. Yeah, it's day three. And um, it's amazing. And so we're running it again and so for any, it's only available and open to women and people who identify as women. And uh, it's the website is thepleasurechallenge.com. And so for anyone that wants to sign up, they can use the code pleasure to get it for free. And yeah, I'm so excited for, for us running it again in a couple of weeks. And we'd love to have anyone listening who wants to dig in more to this pleasure and vulnerability intimacy journey to join the pleasure revolution. That's so rad. Thank you. So do you know the start date of that then? Um, we're running it two more times and I'm I'm not looking at my calendar, so no, but it's running in the middle, uh, in the beginning of October and the end of October. So it, it'll be, it'll so, be going. Yeah, that's awesome because this is coming out the first Friday of October. So people who are listening, it is hot and ready for you. Thepleasurechallenge.com. That's right. Key, and the key password pleasure. That's right. And they can follow me on social media, Amy Batuski, and my company Desire on Fire, which is just at Desire on Fire. And my website is just amybatuski.com. So there's a lot of places to, to stay in touch. Um, and, and my podcast, which is called With Pleasure, which you'll be on in a few weeks. I mean, we're recording it sooner than that, but you'll be on it in a few weeks. And um, that's another place to, to stay in touch and to stay up on what's going on in my world. Yes. Wonderful. And just thank you so much for showing up here with your full heart, because I want to ask you the last question that I love asking my guests is what does it look like for Amy's heart to be unleashed? Mm. You know, right now, cause it changes, right? I mean, geez, everything always evolves. I would say right now, um, I feel most unleashed in really trusting my higher power, mm-hmm. um, like really trusting God, goddess, you know, I, it switches, it changes for me. The universe, the moon, orgasm, energy, yeah, right? Um, but like really, like I feel so expanded and so unleashed and so trusting and flowing in my feminine when I'm like fully surrendered to, to her plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, okay, you got it. You're holding me. And like, that's where I feel really free and really full of love and really trusting. And um, it's not about my will. It's about goddess's will. And so I would say that currently is how I feel most unleashed and, um, and it changes every day. 
Yeah. Well, and just thank you so much because I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting question to ask at the end of an episode, because like we just listened to the way you live unleashed, like completely coaching and, and helping people find their pleasure and expand and like share and, and your passion for what you do comes through. I mean, I get the visual, but I know it's coming through speakers loud and clear. And so I just want to thank you for who you are in the world and what you do and what you make available for others. And, and thank you for living your heart unleashed. Mm, Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thank you, Hearts. I hope your heart is feeling unleashed. I hope you are feeling all sorts of warm and fuzzy and on fire and ready to go. So thank you guys for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you loved the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, head over to heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, Hearts.